the TA1. Everything you want to know about adventure racing and then some. And I'm your host, the legendary Randy Erickson. And what's going on this week? Not a lot. For those that are keeping score, the dining room table has been cleared of gear since I got home from Shenandoah Tough. It's not all put away, but the table is cleared off. So, plus one for me. Uh, Chili Dog and I had two great hikes over the weekend. Oh, didn't you? There's, she's right here. Um, a couple of places we'd like to go, <clears throat> but we don't get to very often, so that was kind of fun. Um, even though it was wet most of the day, but she doesn't care. Do you? No. So, um, well, like I said, not a lot else going on in the adventure race world. Just try and uh, keep up with uh, what everybody's been doing and uh, bring all that interesting stuff to you. So, enough blathering. Uh, go fast, take chances, and thanks for listening. Bye. Hello? Mr. Mark Sky, how are you? Good. How you doing, Randy? I'm doing pretty good. So, awesome. Um, cool. We get to chat. <laughs> so, Finally. Don't, don't be nervous. Well, actually, we did get to chat at Virginia, but this other people get to listen to this one. Lucky them. That's right. So, um, Plant-based nutrition for athletes. Explain it to me. Okay, so... You want to know what, how long I've been plant-based, or yeah, just yeah, because obviously vegetarian, vegan, um, athlete—that's kind of hard to do. So let's talk about it a little bit, because then maybe Paulette, my wife, will listen to this. Oh yeah, right. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I've been plant-based, or if you want to call it vegan, now since uh, 2013. And, uh, yeah, prior to that, I, I never, ever thought I would go vegan. I never thought about it. never crossed my mind. I was never thought much about nutrition at all. Mm-hmm. Uh, but back in, it's like 2011, my girlfriend was actually diagnosed with cancer. And so a lot of people don't know this. And she went through tons of chemo and radiation for like a year. And eventually the cancer came back and they put her on more chemo, more radiation, and um, she was kind of dying at that point in time. They gave her like 30% chance of survival. So we started, like, one time we were in the, the hospital and just talking to the oncologist, and we asked her, she's like, we asked, like, what should we do with our diet? Like, what sort of food should we eat? What should we avoid? And the oncologist told us, uh, it doesn't matter what you eat. It's not going to help or change anything. And uh, so at that point in time, I didn't know anything about nutrition. I just knew something was wrong. Like it didn't make any sense to me what she was saying. Mm-hmm. So I started doing a ton of research and um, yeah, just learning about the, gets the power of foods and learning about alkaline plants and um, how alkaline in your body with plants is, you know, optimal for battling cancer and all this. And then, so um, yeah, it was kind of my girlfriend decided to go vegan to, uh, to battle cancer and I decided to do it to support her. And that was back in 2013, and I only was going to do it for like a month just to kind of help her out, but I was actually starting to feel much better from it and uh, sort of never looked back. Kind of interesting. Um, But how do you – 
Okay, I'm, I I kind of know these answers, but so how do you get enough nutrition, like specifically expedition racing? Um, so I guess like for me, I eat a lot of carbs. It's kind of what I focus on. Um, when it comes to expedition racing, you know, I've only done a couple of these now. It's been really hard for me. Um, this one that we just did in uh, in Virginia, I brought a whole bunch of these Nomad Nutritions I have, and it's like actually like real food that I just have to add water to. Okay. Uh, which was absolutely awesome because I can't live off just a lot of the junk food for that long. Yeah. And a lot of the, you know, my teammates and everybody else always has like all these cheeses and beef jerky and jerkies and pepperoni sticks, all this stuff with them, and I can't have any of it. <laughs> yeah. So... Yeah, well, and they're like, oh, we'd love to share with you, but... So. Yeah, I brought a can of uh, chili, a vegetable chili, and I brought a can of beans uh, to my last race, and I brought it on the bike ride, and then uh, my teammate Jason seen that. He goes, dude, you can't be riding around with cans of chili in your backpack. It's like, <laughs> well, I didn't have any... I don't know. I didn't know what else to do. Yeah. So this is like actually a real... Um, learning experience for you what you need and and how to get it when you're doing these multi-day races yeah it is because you got to find food that's going to last in those bins for days and mm-hmm. um, which is like it's pretty hard to do aside from canned food yeah yeah but can you you know when if, if you go buy a convenience store or something i mean you can can you find something just to you know with calories in it yeah uh we haven't really had that opportunity yet but you know i still have a bunch of the other foods that everybody else has um you know there's those sugary race foods or salty race foods i got a lot of options and just a few limitations i guess yeah and you learn to live with that and i mean i i know that because paulette's been vegetarian for uh, almost as long as I've known her, which is a lot of years, 30-plus years. <laughs> I, when you, you're not a vegetarian, though, are you? No, I'm meat and potatoes. Me and me and Chili, well, <laughs> Paulette buys us a half a beef when we need it. We put it in the freezer, and that's what me and the dog eat. So, um, I like potatoes, though. I eat a lot of potatoes. So, yeah. And, I mean, you just... You just learn, and I mean, it it it's hard, but it's not that hard. There's you have a lot of options, even even going to the grocery store anymore. Oh yeah, in general, like outside of racing, it's actually really easy nowadays. Yeah. Um, I don't really find it a bother at all. Yeah. Um, how long did it take your family and friends to stop asking you when you're going to eat meat? <laughs> they still ask me. Okay. <laughs> I mean, family, they don't really understand it. They yeah. keep asking all the time. Uh, my friends, um, they've kind of, they've gotten used to it now yeah. for sure. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We just had a, um, a long conversation about this. Actually, Paulette and I, it's like, why does anybody care? Because she went for years with people. You know, why do you do that? Why do you do that? And I get it a lot because... There's a lot of foods that I don't like, like most foods. <laughs> so I get a lot of, why don't you want to eat this? Why don't you want to eat that? And I just want to say, because, and why does it matter to you? 
but you have to be a little more diplomatic than that, I think, sometimes. Yeah, yeah. I think the big question I get asked a lot is everyone's always worried about getting enough protein. Yeah. That's kind of the one thing that I find people ask me more than anything. It's like, where do you get your protein? And always worried about not having enough protein. But if you think yeah. about it, I don't know a single person ever who went for a blood test and came back and said they were protein deficient. Yeah. Yeah, you got that. Yeah. It's just, um, I don't know. It seems to be a little easier nowadays. So, um, you know, good for you. And I think I imagine you'll figure it out a lot. But you also kind of, I mean, you were in your, when we were messaging last week or a week ago, you were, you actually, do you teach class or do you just, um, are you just kind of, uh, trying to get the word out there? Uh, no, I think we, I was going to do a talk over at Capilano University. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's just sometimes they have, like, there's, like, vegan festivals or certain things. I'll go out and kind of do a talk because uh, there's not many sort of, like, male vegan endurance athletes up where I live. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'm sort of the go-to guy for these talks and happy to go and do them. Yeah. And I don't even know if there's actually many sort of vegan athletes uh, in the Adventure Racing World Series in general. I don't know of, like, anybody else aside from myself. I'm sure they're out there, though. Yeah. You would know, Randy. I don't know other than paulette i don't know anybody that would be totally um although oh shoot i can't think who, now i can't think of who it was um in primal quest in 09 i might have to look this up and and put a link somewhere in the show notes <clears throat> but uh the one of the teams went through the campground and Whoever it was, the racer, it was the first hot dog she'd eaten in like 10 years. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know if she was totally vegetarian, but but mostly, but, you know, hot dogs are pretty bad. She said it was literally the best thing she'd ever eaten in her life. <laughs> but a hot dog's pretty much vegetarian anyway. That's always my joke. <laughs> so, so is McDonald's, right? Exactly, exactly. So, um, so well, that's interesting. It'll be... Um, fun to see how you kind of figure it out you know i, I mean obviously you've, you've you're getting enough calories because i mean and yeah you've only done two adventure races but you finished both of them that's saying something and you finished both of them pretty well so two two expedition races i've done more than two adventure races now well two yeah <laughs> two expedition races yeah so um all right so here's my easy way in um how did how did you get into adventure racing and then uh, expedition racing? I, I actually learned about adventure racing uh, from a book written by Travis Macy called The Ultra Mindset, and it's probably just over two years ago now. I was just reading this book, and there's a whole chapter about Primal Quest mm-hmm. and about adventure racing. I was like, whoa, this is cool. Like it's got paddling, mountain biking, trail running, this whole like aspect of adventure to it. And I never knew this sport even existed. Um, so once I read that book, I just started doing a ton of research on like races and like finding the closest. It turns out there's like, you know, I figured there'd be loads up here in British Columbia and there's like nothing. Um, so the closest races were down in Washington and Oregon. So I just, yeah, waited until the spring season and started signing up for them. And my first one was, last spring called the spring sting down in oregon yeah 
And what was it? I mean, did you have background in all that stuff? Uh, I've been, you know, I used to do like mountain biking pretty mm -hmm. much. Been around mountain biking most of my life. Paddling, I've done very, very little of before adventure racing. Mm -hmm. uh, and running, I was never like a trail runner or a road runner, but I played soccer almost my whole life up until I was about, you know, 2021 20, sort of thing. Huh. Interesting. I, I, I say interesting because I'm finding huge numbers of adventure racers were high-level soccer players. Is that right, eh? Yeah. Um, specifically women, um, which kind of makes sense because that's, you know, they have fewer team sport outlets or did. So, but, um, yeah, it must be something about soccer and adventure racing that uh, brings you guys out. So. Yeah, yeah, adventure racing's much better. <laughs> That's for sure. Little, little easier on the uh, body. Well, I don't know. Maybe the opposite. <laughs> I was going to say, in certain ways, you're, you're not getting you're not getting kicked a lot anyway. If, if yeah. in adventure racing, not by people, but <laughs> get annihilated by trees and everything else out there. That's there's that too. So, um, what was your first first? How long was the first race, and how did how did you do, and what made you want to come back? Uh, my very first race was that spring sting. It was just a short six-hour race, which for me, I was, like, a little worried because I thought it was a really long race. Mm -hmm. um, we we didn't do so well, but I had a ton of energy throughout the whole race, and after the race, I was just, like, buzzing for days and loving it. And then so straight away, I signed up for another 12-hour race, and uh, – I raced that one with uh, Quest, mm -hmm. with Team Quest, uh, yeah. with Dusty and Emily, and we did really well in that one, and then straight after that, I signed up for my first 24-hour race, and then flew down to Colorado for that, and then just never looked back, just kind of doing as many races as I could since then. So, um, <clears throat> so you're pretty much the typical adventure racer from, from six hours to expedition in a year. Um, is that pretty normal? I don't know. It it it, it kind of really is. Um, yeah. You know, maybe a year or two, but it it certainly doesn't take people um, long to get to that expedition. Um, I guess you just want to do it more. You, you know, twelve hours is good. Four days must be great, right? <laughs> yeah. Well, I think that tw the the idea of like being able to go a few days was really intriguing to me to see if I could actually do it. Uh, because it, until you do it, you're really unsure if you can. Yeah. It's very overwhelming. And now it seems really normal because I'm around these sort of people all the time. I'm mm -hmm. around a lot of adventure racers. But when you start talking to regular sort of normal people outside of adventure racing, they, they can't even get their head around the idea that people are doing this. Yes. Yeah, there's that. Do you have... Um like a adventure race family in in BC that you can talk to or or I mean locally do you have you know people you train with or do you have to wait till your races to feel like you can talk to people and they know what you're talking about uh, I don't have any adventure not really adventure racing friends up here mm. they're all down in Bend my team mm. um, but I do train with a lot of super fit athletes up here uh, who are doing big, long mountain bike races or doing the 50- and 100-mile trail runs. And 
So they they understand it, and there's a lot of fit people here. They're just not really adventure racers. Yeah. Do you um are you are you trying to swing bring some of them to the dark side? I have been, yeah. <laughs> Any success? Not really. They think it's insane. <laughs> yeah, and, I, and not everybody does all three sports. That's yeah. where it gets tricky too. A lot of these guys are super fit, but they just want to run. Yeah. Um, and then when you start telling them about the biking, and I get all excited in the paddling, they're like, "Oh, that's just too much." Yeah. And then you get throw the navigation on top of that. I think. Oh, that's, then it's game over. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, so it, it which just goes to show, and I think you know, uh, newsflash. This isn't a newsflash, but it takes a, a certain type of uh, athlete to be an adventure racer, um, and and I I'm not sure what that is, um, but I'm glad you guys are out there. Yeah. So. Yeah. So your first expedition, and let's get it, you went and did um, Oregon, right? Yeah, Expedition Oregon earlier uh, this year, yeah. Yeah. And did you, and was that with Quest? Uh, nope, it was with the Yoga Slackers. Okay. So how did you get hooked up with uh, Yoga Slackers? Uh, I actually met Jason at the, my very first race at the Spring Sting. I showed up at his house to, I think, I don't know, I had to drop something off, some forms or something. Mm. And uh, we just started chatting, and he seen first. He seen my mountain bike. He goes, "Dude, you can't race that." I was on like a full suspension, 160 mil front and back. Uh, and he goes, "Here, take my bike." And then, uh, so I raced his bike. And then after the race, I basically bought his bike off him and uh, started going down all the races and uh, just racing any race that they sort of put on down there. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't that long. It was uh, sort of in the fall of last year. Um, they rang me up and uh, mentioned that there's an opening on the team and asked me if I wanted to join. And uh, I was surprised and beyond stoked. So obviously I said yes. Yeah. What um, – so, I mean, I I know I know a lot of the team and I know those people. What is it that they – you think that they saw in you? Um because at that point, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'd ask Jason, but I keep having trouble getting him to come back on the podcast. So, but yeah, they're pretty busy. Yeah, um, I mean, did, have they ever said why? I I mean a little bit. Like so, obviously, you know, I think we can see. I wasn't probably the best athlete or the best adventure racer in the world, and almost anybody they asked would have probably happily joined the team. Mm-hmm. So I think it was a lot more than that. Uh, from the little bit I've gathered from them, they've seen I have a lot of stoke for the sport. Yeah, uh, They see I have a lot of excitement, and I have, you know, I really, really love the sport, and I really want to grow. And, yeah, and I think another big thing is just we just get on super well, um, me and everybody else on the team. And yeah. I'm sure that was probably a big part of the decision when they were sort of chatting amongst each other to see who they're going to ask to join uh, yeah. was to find someone that, you know, gets along well with everybody else on the team. Yeah, I think, yeah, that's kind of a, I mean, I've heard enough teammate horror stories that that's probably job one is don't be a dick. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so who did you race with that first one and, and what was the, how did it, uh, well, well, 
what do I want to say? How did the expectation versus reality of the race go for you? I, I, I mean, for me, I guess I was expected, or we were expected to do pretty well, mm-hmm. like racing with the yoga slackers. Uh, and so for me, I was just really nervous and overwhelmed because I wasn't sure how my body would react after the 24 hour mark. Yeah. Uh, but surprisingly, like, yeah, it just, I, I felt super strong, um, throughout the race. I had my ups and my downs for sure, but I, there wasn't really a time when I just really wanted to give up. I, I was, had a smile on my face for a lot of that race and it was, a, it was a, a really hard race for me anyway, and yeah. a lot of suffering, but I had a super fun time. And I mean, we finished in second place, so I was super happy with their outcome. And it was a pretty hard battle amongst the top four teams for a large portion of the race. So for us to finish second, I I couldn't be happier. Yeah. Were you able to um, uh, actually bring something to the team in that first race, or were you just kind of hanging on and? Um, watching and learning um I'd, I'd say a bit of both uh definitely learning a lot uh it was my first time sort of working with bike boxes and just uh having to actually take apart bikes and transition that way but i also don't like in all honesty i don't feel like i was holding up the team like mm. wrote the actual race and stuff and i feel like i did pretty well pulling my own weight and grabbing an extra pack when when i needed to or helping out the team I guess I was sort of the, one of the workhorses on the team. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's that's what the new guy does. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so they're, they're not going to give I, you the map and compass for, for the first time, I don't think. I tried. Yeah. <laughs> give me that, huh? Can you can you can you navigate? <laughs> I depends who you ask. Okay. Uh, well. I've only navigated a couple races. Yeah. The first one I actually ever navigated was a 24-hour race in Colorado. And honestly, I did really well. Looking back, maybe there was definitely some beginner's luck involved. Okay. Because then I navigated one, the 30-hour Bend AR race, and that one didn't go so well at all. (laughs) We got got pretty lost. Okay. Well, I think – my take on this is Colorado might be a little easier because you got all those fourteen thousand foot mountains you can you can use to guide you. <laughs> so, but um, well, let's um uh, get to uh, Shenandoah Tough. So your second adventure race, and uh, it was tough. So it was tough, all right. Did you um? When did you know you were going to do the race? Was that was that been on your schedule all summer, or how did that yeah, work? I, yeah, it's been on my schedule since probably the beginning of the year. Okay. So yeah, um, well, walk us walk us through your race because that's what I like to hear about is how it went for you. Uh, yeah. So the I guess the first stage was the trekking leg. We took a. You know, we sort of bushwhacked up to the first checkpoint, took a different route. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the, the first leg went really well until we got on the bikes. Uh, I broke my bike frame in a race a couple weeks before Shenandoah Tough, so Daniel and our team lent me his bike. And little did he know there was a bit of an issue with the front suspension. So I basically rode 
and I guess it get 200 kilometers with like a broken suspension. And to try and compensate for it, I was leaning back on the back tire, putting all my weight on that just so my suspension wouldn't blow up. And I blew out one of the spokes on the wheel, which went right through the tube. Then we put in another tube, inflated that, popped it straight away. Ended up going through eight flat tires in that race. <laughs> yeah. Might be a record for a three-day three race. For such a short race, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, well, how was yeah, it? That, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. No, I was going to say, what was it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> One more time. Okay, you go. Uh, yeah, overall, it was a, it was definitely a tough race. I was prepared for that hurricane that was supposed to be coming in, Hurricane Florence. Yep. Uh, so I was just prepared for the worst. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's what we all were. And I think, knock wood, we were pleasantly, pleasantly surprised. I mean, you were probably wet the whole time, but it wasn't uh, a hurricane. Yeah. Oh, I got to experience my first uh, adventure racing sleep that race. Because uh, Expedition Oregon, we did 60 hours with no sleep. Yeah. But this time we slept, and I was looking forward to it. But it was horrible. Sleeping adventure <laughs> racing? Oh, my God. It, yeah. <laughs> it was just pouring rain. He'd crawl inside this little emergency bivy sack, and he basically just lay there shaking for 30 minutes until you have to go again. Yeah, uh, yeah I think that's a learned skill. Because I, I mean, I, well, I mean, I watch JD, you know, literally, you know, lay down in a ditch while everybody else is, you know, they're looking at the maps for 10 minutes and sleep. So, I, I, I mean, it kind of sounds dumb, but I think it is a skill set, learning how to sleep like that. And, uh, I mean, yeah, literally, that was like the first time you did it. So, yeah, you probably sucked at sleeping in the rain. Oh, it's horrible. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> and then getting up was just like, oh, it was, it was even worse. So. If if I didn't have to sleep, I wouldn't, but it's hard to stay awake yeah. that long. Did you guys, and I, I guess maybe, you know, this isn't, you probably don't know the answer with this, but how did you decide on the sleep strategy? Um, did you have a strategy before you started, or is it just like go and figure it out? They, they may have had a strategy that I don't know about okay. <laughs> uh, in terms of, like, how long we're going to sleep and whatnot. Yeah. But it was, uh, yeah, on this, I guess the second night, I was probably falling asleep more than the other three teammates at that point in time. And so we made a plan that when we get to the top of this big hill we were climbing, we're all going to take a nap so just to be prepared for it. Okay. Uh, but the length of time or anything wasn't really up to me. They just yeah. set an alarm and uh, I think – it's maybe 30 or 40 minutes from what I recall. Yeah. Is that um, in some ways liberating not to have to make decisions and just race or make as many decisions, I should say? Yeah, like it's it's nice for now. Yeah. Um, being the new guy and being able to learn from, you know, on the team I'm on, there's all super experienced adventure racers, which is really nice. I get to learn a lot, especially being pretty new to the sport. Mm-hmm. But at some point, I would love to be the guy behind the map or with the compass because it, it does keep your mind uh, on something the whole entire race too. Yeah, yeah, like I, that makes sense. Yeah, you don't you got to keep that focus so you don't can't fall asleep. So, 
Um, so you've only done two races with yoga slackers. So, so my joke with them always is if you see a team doing something completely different than every other team, it's yoga slackers. <laughs> so have you, have you experienced that yet? That, uh, really we're going to, this is what we're going to do or is yeah, that still coming? <laughs> several times already the last race and like, you know, we had that night start. All the teams start running up the trail. Yeah. And we're the only team bushwhacking up, which actually worked out pretty good. Yeah. Uh, sort of met all the other teams at the top. Yeah. And then on the way back, we decided to bushwhack down again. While uh, Main Nerve, which was just ahead of us, took the trail down. And we were trying to beat them down by bushwhacking. But yeah. I think it took us like three times as long. We just got annihilated. We got – we the bush ticked our butt that one. Yeah. Yeah. Because you guys did um, on – all right. Can I tell a story? Yeah, <laughs> of course. A media story. All right. So Chris and I were waiting above Raleigh Springs where you came off the road and started that big climb. Yeah. And so we're waiting and 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 we're waiting. And, we're waiting. and, fi- and finally we get to the point – there's a point when you're waiting for teams – that you lose all, all uh, confidence that you you know what you're doing, <laughs> and it's about three hours in, <laughs> and, and we knew this. We were doing the right. We were in the right spot, but it just seemed like it taken so long that, you know, did you guys do something different? So we are. All right, let's go down to Raleigh Springs. See if anybody's there, and reset. It's kind of like being lost. You you gotta go back. To a spot, you know where you're at. <clears throat> we literally, we get in the truck. We hadn't gone ten seconds, and I look up, and I'm like, "Shit, Chris, there's a team!" <laughs> I literally ten seconds. So we jump out. I actually, well, and then I was surprised that it wasn't you guys, because last time we looked, we were waiting for you. But then you guys come by, down, and I'm looking. And I'm like. Because I can see up the road quite a ways. Oh, here they come. I'm going to fly the drone and get a shot. And then you don't show up. And you don't show up. <laughs> so you took, you went before the creek and took that, like, bushwhack up the hill. Up out of Raleigh Springs. And I want to know what that was like. Because <laughs> I heard it was bad. Which bushwhack was this? What stage? Um, the bike coming back. Okay. So, so after you cross the creek at, at uh, Raleigh Springs, then you're on the highway for a while. And then instead of going – so you'd come down that long descent to the highway on stage two. But you guys, instead of going literally back the same route, you went up a reentrant for a long ways. You don't even – you don't even remember. You were sleeping. I must have been sleeping. <laughs> So, anyway, I think either way it was a long bike push, and it didn't look like you lost much time, if any. So, I just I was just curious at how hard it was to do that. We'll have to. There was a lot of hard bike whacking in that race, though. Did you, you know, after you know the way Mark talked about it, was it? I mean, did you think it was going to be that much hike a bike bike whacking? Uh, no, I didn't. 
I I thought the race was going to be much quicker based on what the race was supposed to be. Yeah. Uh, when we had the full time and then what it was cut down to, it looked like we'd be done in sort of 36 to 48 hours. Yeah. Uh, so I thought it would go much quicker, especially all the biking. I didn't think there'd be nearly that much bike whacking, but yeah, it was still a long race. So it was. And then you had to, well, we, we got on the bike thing, but you had to get a, a new bike for the last leg, didn't you? I did. So I got a bike lent to me, which is from a, another team that dropped out yep. and, uh, had a nice curved handlebar to it, dropper <laughs> post, everything. Yeah. It's just too bad you didn't get to ride it very much, right? It's all the yeah. bike wagon. Oh, yeah. That, yeah. that whole thing, too. Actually, you know what? So that bike I was lent, we were riding up the road to get to the top of the ridge, and I got a flat tire on that bike riding up the road. <laughs> that was my luck in this race with yeah. flats. Yeah. And just so people know, um, that was within the rules, you know, the World Series rules, you know, you can get even if a team drops out, you can borrow equipment from them. So um, that was my understanding. That's yep. correct, right? Yep, that's that's okay. It was um, it was actually a rule made after the World Championships in Australia two years ago because one of the teams that had dropped out um, offered up some parts to one of the, one of the other teams and. I don't think they let them do it then, and then they changed the rules. So, okay, yeah, so you're totally, you're totally in the clear. I'm sure yeah. we ran it by Mark. I think before yeah. the last leg, anyways. Yeah, so I think they, yeah, they put it out for riders. So, I mean, that's what's nice about adventure racing is, you know, somebody gives you your bike, not knowing just exactly what it's going to come back like. Yeah, and and not even knowing me, so pretty yeah. awesome. It is. So, um, so did other than not knowing how to sleep, did you learn any other lessons from this second expedition race? How not to sleep? <laughs> how to yeah. stay awake longer? Yeah. Um, what? And this uh, here again, you being a relatively newbie, did it? Um, did the did the course change kind of mentally bother you, or were you just able to just you know go with the flow? Uh, yeah, I think just go with the flow. If anything, it seemed like it was just going to be shorter and, and easier than what I had mentally prepared for. Yeah. Uh, the one thing that was kind of overwhelming for me was just seeing like I think it was you know kilometers, it was about a 100-kilometer mountain bike ride. Then we had the O course followed by another 100 kilometers of mountain biking. That's uh, just seeing big distances like that is kind of overwhelming still for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And especially I've been, like, I've only done two of these really long races, and I seem to be uh, suffering from saddle soreness more more than a lot of other people, it seems. Huh. So that was a really big concern for me. Do you think, well, I mean, you did get on another bike, so maybe that's not a fair... Fair assessment yeah. for this race. Yeah, that actually probably helped just having a different seat. Yeah, I think so. Well, yeah, I suppose it changed the pressure point. So exactly, um, yeah. So, are you what? What are you doing to fix that? Are you trying different things, or are you just trying to get more miles in the saddle? Or 
Uh, a bit of all of it. Yeah, just trying to get more hours in a saddle. I've got now I have my full suspension bike and my hardtail for racing, both with the same saddle, mm-hmm. just so I can kind of get used to those pressure points. And been trying all kinds of different uh, creams that I can find. Anything from like creams made for athletes, uh, all the way down to like all the creams made for babies and stuff. And yeah. actually, I'm, I'm really liking a few of those ones. Yeah. Yeah, you know, you'll get to be the point, like everybody else in adventure racers, walking around with your hands down your shorts all the time. <laughs> just to, just to, for the, from the pain? No, from putting on cream all the time. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and then it's all over you. It's all over your shorts, all over your shirt. Yep. So, um, so what kind of... What's what's like your normal training week? Do you have a normal training week? How do you s- split up your time? Um, I don't know if I have a normal training week. Uh, I guess I, I change it when it's coming closer to a race. Mm-hmm. Uh, but generally, I try and get out for. Um, it really, yeah, it really depends where I'm working. But uh, I get out on my bike at least a few times a week and try and get out running a few times a week as well. And generally, try and get out for a paddle. Yeah. So what do you think your, like, weekly totals are? Because I, I think a lot of, well, probably people that listen to this podcast understand training, but I think the general public would think, well, you got to be training. That's got to be like a full-time job for you. But So kind of how many hours a week do you think you do? Yeah, I mean, if if there's no races coming up, generally in the weeknights, anywhere between one and two hours a day. Mm-hmm. Uh, and usually that's probably four to the five days. And then on weekends, it'll be anywhere from, let's say, sort of three to 12 hours a day. And that really just depends on the weekend. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. But, yeah, typically somewhere like at least 10 to probably 10 to 15 hours. And that's more like high intensity training. Yeah. Uh, outside just sort of playing, uh, not including just playing on my bike or going for a hike with friends or, or a light jog. Yeah, just the yeah, the fun stuff. Yeah, yeah, so. and then and then I'll and I'll do a bit more when you know when I'm sort of six to eight weeks out from a bigger race, I'll definitely ramp it up a little more. Yeah, but not as much as probably some people think. I think the big part for me is when I do train, I I'm always doing high intensity training, getting my heart rate right up there. Yeah, and that's um, yeah, that high intensity quick workout thing seems. Seems to work for a lot of people. Yeah, and I have a lot of hills in my neighborhood, too. Um, You know, like, sort of from my house, I have, like, a 600-meter rock wall that I can look at right from my backyard. So I, whatever that would be in feet, you know, 1,500, 1,800 feet up, I can run up there within an hour from my living room. So it's, like, a perfect sort of training run. Mm -hmm. Uh, And the bike trails, too, are all within a few hundred meters of my house. Uh, And it's just endless hills. So I, I do a lot of hill training, I would say. Yeah, I think, um, you know, that's the thing that I found you know, living here in the Black Hills back in the day, which was a long time ago, that um, you just, even when you're out for just kind of a casual ride or run, it was hard. So that's how you stayed fit, even without really thinking about it. Oh, because of the hills? Or- yeah, you're always, you're always doing hills. There's just... <laughs> Literally nothing else you can do here. So, yeah, I yeah I find I 
you know, unless I'm going out for sort of a recovery run or just a light bike ride to loosen up my muscles, um, the hills are huge. And I, and I, I feel like it helps me a lot for the racing. Yeah. And also mentally, I know, you know, when you're like going up like a massive hill and your heart rate's right up there and you're worried that you're going to just fall over when you reach the top, mm-hmm. just from doing it so often in my head, I know that when I reach the top, I'll be able to recover quick just because yeah. I'm so used to doing these hills and I, like I've got my body sort of figured out and dialed in a lot more now. Yeah. So you, yeah, your recovery is, you know, you're going to, you know, you're going to recover. I know I'm going to recover and I know I'm going to recover quick. Yeah. That's like that's. I mean, that's important to know when you're, you know, trying to file, you know, follow, the, you know, that little hundred and ten pound Jason up a hill. Yeah, they're all fast. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, I did uh, make two mistakes with you guys at Shenandoah. I tried to I tried to follow you down the creek and went swimming. <laughs> did Did you fall in? Yeah. When they're <laughs> So, camera That's stayed great. dry. It was after. I wish, I wish someone was filming you. Yeah, well, Chris was right there, and it's like, I hope you shot pictures. And he goes, "Well, I don't know if you wanted to wanted that." And I'm like, "Well, yeah." Cheers then, if he wants it. Get that on camera. Yeah, exactly. And then when you guys were coming down uh, back to Shrine Mountain on, at, at the end of the run, and we were following you down, and and I knew you were going to take. The shortcut down. I'm like, oh, I'm gonna die, and I almost died coming down that little bit. I, you know, I caught a toe and took about four steps before I recovered. And you know, so. uh, next time I'll run with my GoPro when you're around. So there you go. Well. Yeah, get me swimming. So, but um, um, so what's up? What's next for you then? I, well, I'm flying out this Wednesday to go race out in New Brunswick for a couple of days next weekend. Okay. It's kind of like, it's sort of like an adventure. It is an adventure race, but it's a stage race, a two-day yeah. race. So I sort of camp overnight. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's next weekend. And possibly going down to Mexico to do a race in November. Yeah. Uh, the La Ruta Madre, it's called. Which is, I think, about a two- or three-day race. And that'll be, if I go down and do that, that'll be it for me for the season. Okay. Is that um, is that a mountain bike race in Mexico? or is it it's a, No, it's it's an adventure race, a mountain bike paddle run, mm-hmm. and a bunch of cannoning, I think. Some waterfalls and cannoning, stuff like huh. that. Didn't, didn't even know about that one. See, so you learn stuff all the time. Well, I guess they used to do it years back, from my understanding, and then they brought it back last year doing like a 24-hour race mm-hmm. and seemed to be pretty successful. So now they've brought it back. I think, yeah, I think it's about two or three days. Huh. I should look up. I'll actually, I'll actually be in, I'll be busy, but I'll be in Mexico, like for two and a half weeks in November. So but, there you go. It's, a, it's in Monterey, Monterey area of Mexico. Oh, uh, see, I'll be in Baja. So. I don't know uh, how close that is or how far it is, but I think that's across. So Monterey, I think, is in the main part of Mexico. In Baja is the you know the peninsula south of um, south of California. So um, okay, I'll be I'll be with some some different kind of uh, non athletes driving thousand horsepower trucks at the oh, for the race yeah at the Baja one thousand. So that's pretty cool too. I thought yeah. you'd be on Reunion Island or something. 
well, I wouldn't do that. I am a little I am a little mad at your team for not calling me to see if I wanted to go to Patagonia, but <laughs> I've yeah. already already committed to going to Baja. They're all through the same time basically. I'd love to be going to Patagonia as well, buddy. Yeah. So you'll get you'll get to go the next time probably. I hope so. It'd be yeah. awesome. Yeah. I wasn't on the roster for this one. And that's totally understandable. It's uh, you know I've only done a couple of these shorter expedition races, and that's a pretty big race to bring the new guy on. Yeah. Uh, as much as I would love to go, I totally respect their decision to not bring me, yeah. and I'm okay with it. But I, I love to do it at some point down the road. Yeah, it's a race. I don't know. I don't know what it is about it. I, Paulette's done it twice, and she, she uh, said yes to a team this year to go down, and then it didn't happen. But yeah, there's something about Patagonia that people uh once you go there you gotta go back. So. Yeah, it's a suffer fest, isn't it? I think the the cool thing about a lot of that race is you're just away from civilization for so long. Mm-hmm. Like you're not riding or running through these little villages or seeing convenience stores is my understanding. Yeah. It's just super wild and remote. Exactly. I mean, even if you miss a cutoff and you're out of the race, it still takes a week to get back to Plento. So, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's uh, yeah. When they say the last wild race, they uh, they really mean it. You know? Well, that's a good goal. So, do you um? Well, it's it's really, I guess, too too early to think about next year because nobody knows what's happening next year. But obviously, you'll. Be racing with yoga, bend racing again. That's the plan. Yeah, I'm going to stick with them until they kick me off the team. Okay. <laughs> no, yeah, I mean, I, I love the team, and I plan to stay with them for for as long as I can see in the future for now. Anyway. Yeah, well, yeah. they, um, in a sport with a bunch of really cool people, they are right near the top, so. Yeah, for sure. You did good picking them, so. Um, so I just got one more question. It has nothing to do with adventure racing. Okay. Um, so what were, what was your project you were doing in the Vancouver Harbor earlier this summer? You know, you'd said you were finishing up the project there. Oh, right. I mean, that's yeah, totally, I guess, different topic, but I also uh-huh. own a construction company. Yeah. So we do a lot of work down in the Vancouver port. Uh, rebuilding some of the uh, grain elevators that load the massive ships that come to Canada. So, yeah, that, that sounds kind of cool. Sounds like because that's I mean pays for my mortgage and pays for my adventure racing. I I got yep. adventure racing to become rich, but uh, it's not really working out. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Best way to become a millionaire in adventure racing: start by being a billionaire, <laughs> or or quit adventure racing. There's that. Yeah. No, I was just curious because that's actually. You know, my real, real uh, quote unquote job is is remodeling. So, yeah, kind of the same way pays for pays for the fun stuff. That's yeah. right, eh? Yeah. So cool. Well, I'm glad we finally uh, got a chance to uh, to do this. Yeah, great. Yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah. So, so for the listeners, we we'd kind of talked about doing one after your first race, and just kind of real life gets in the way sometimes. So. Now we got to chat with two races. It's even better. Yeah, third one will be coming up. Next cool. expedition I'll do early next year. Or Expedition Oregon in April or May. So whoever's listening to this should definitely check that out too. Yeah. 
You should, um, um, it's going to be an amazing race. Why don't you get Yoga Slackers to come to Florida in February for C to C? So, that's that, was th- that the, the kayaking race? No, it's a three and a half day adventure race. Wait, so, in February? Yep, end of February. Not a bad time to go to Florida. My guess is God Zone's on the list, but I don't know for sure. Oh, that's true. It is. It's. It's. You could do both, but not really. <laughs> but. But floor's the possibility for me. Yeah. So, well, okay. I'm gonna. So I'm shill, sort of shilling C to C because I'm doing going to go do media for him. But um, if you can get a chance to go to God Zone, I, I'd take it. I would to, love to. Cause I used to live in New Zealand for a few years, so I'd love to go back. Oh, that's cool. Well, see, there's our jumping off point. Next time you have you on the podcast, you can talk about New Zealand. Sure. Yeah. All right, I'm going to um, – normally I say I'm going to go take the dog for a hike because that's usually what happens after a podcast, but it's uh, bedtime. So I'm going to take the dog out and then go to bed. Awesome. So, all right, thanks very okay. much for the chat. Thank you. All right, okay. we'll uh, see, you, see you on the trail, I hope. See you at the races. Perfect. All right, thanks. Okay, see Bye. ya. of agricultural life, and I hold an inborn fondness for those associations which even in hours of discouragement I cannot deny. Yay! All right, people, let's take it to heaven.
Yes, I've sinned, but I've got a friend in Jesus. So you know that when I die, they're gonna send me up to the Spirit in the sky. Gonna send me up to the Spirit in the sky. That's where I'm gonna go.